Warning, the following podcast may contain some fits of extreme nerd rage, especially when it comes to the world of professional wrestling. As such, there may be a few colorful pieces of language thrown around. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back once again, ladies and gentlemen, to the Wrestling Ramblings and Rages podcast. I am, of course, your host, James Shimo. We are back once again on the Shimo Media Network, and I'm joined, as always, by my two awesome co-hosts. First of all, the one and the only, Mr. Ryan Payne. Ryan, how's it going, buddy? Going very good, honestly. Definitely looking to talk about good stuff. The one and only, Mr. Brenton McPherson is here with us as well. Brenton, how's it going, bud? So far, so good. Previously, this week, you guys heard our Worst of 2023 podcast. But today, we are going to talk about something that really, really tickled us this year, which was the best things that happened in the world of wrestling in 2023. And surprisingly enough, there were quite a few of them. There was actually a a real plethora of reasons to be positive in professional wrestling this year. As opposed to our previous list, where it was kind of hard to really get beyond five really bad things that happened in the world of professional wrestling, here it was really hard to narrow down what the five most positive things were, I think. Brent, what was your experience with this one? Honestly, I saw more good than bad this year. We did go over the you know, the, the things that we thought were not the greatest, but all in all, I thought 2023 was a very good year for wrestling. One of the better years I think we've had in the last, I'd say, at least five, maybe even ten. I mean, I can definitely understand where you're coming from, James, where it was hard to find good stuff, but I think for me, when it came to the differences for the positives and negatives were is that um, on the positive side, there despite some minimum some up and downs during the year there was at least some highs that really were able to carry me through to my enjoyment of wrestling and i honestly do think that there are at least some i was actually easily able to think of five moments off the top of my head didn't need to look back didn't need to research didn't need to go on any sites to find out I immediately just jot down five, so I can't wait to get into it. This is going to flow our usual way that our top ten lists flow, except it has been condensed down to five. So with that being said, Ryan is going to start off giving us his number five pick, then Brenton will give his number five, then myself, and then we will continue in that fashion until we get all the way to number one. If at any point we experience any level of commonality, we will call for a punt or we will share if they are at the exact same level. The way punts work is, let's say, for example, Ryan gives his number five, but it is sat at Brenton's number three. Brenton will call for a slight punt and we will save it until we get to Brenton's number three level to talk about it more in depth. Okay, well, with the preliminaries and the admin out of the way, let's go ahead and get right into it. Ryan, your number five best thing that happened in the world of professional wrestling in 2023 good sir originally i had this as a honorable mention because i figured it was going to be part of a like of a pick of a hole but i'm actually going to put this as my number five and that is dominic mysterio uh see i didn't have him put on my list but that that's a good call yeah dirty dom has definitely been he's been getting a lot of shine this year and he's been doing a lot of good character work i'll, I'll give him that uh brenton was that anywhere on your list i would agree with that but i didn't he didn't on my list but he's had a lot of TV time and honestly he might be the most when it comes to being a heel have the most heat because I've not seen anybody be able to or have a crowd just boo the piss out of you anytime you tried to talk like he has here as you know this past year. Dom was going to be an honorable mention because it mainly came down to my personal view of how he's used in storylines now the turn for him to be a part of the Judgment Day that was inevitable but I like how it was of last uh, in 2022 but I think what really turned it was the bill to get him 
to finally have that match against Ray at WrestleMania 39. I loved that little story build there to where Ray, being the dad, like, look, hate me, yell at me, hurt me. I won't hurt you. And then that episode on SmackDown, when Ray finally hits Dom, the pop from that crowd was incredible and then i love you can do seeing the character of dom where he's overconfident he's cocky to where he's gonna yell at his sister and his mom and then i just love that point where he's all cocky he's like what you gonna do and then just the punch that comes down and then immediately he's like oh my god you hit me oh my god you hit me and then leads to that match at 39 to where yeah it was great ray pretty much getting all the spots in spank whipping him with the belt and then getting the victory which i thought was that was the right button for that story line especially now in 2023 with the brand split it makes sense they're on different brands but honestly you know it doesn't fucking matter because wd doesn't enforce it but beyond that having dom move forward from there winning the north american championship really get solidifying himself as what kind of heel he is because i'll be honest the cowardly heel it fits for him and another reason why he was going to be an honorable mention while brenton you did bring it up the fact he gets this heat from the crowd is fantastic just in the beginning though it was really difficult to tell if it was the crowd or if it was audio noise. And even then earlier on in his run, you can tell when he's doing promos, the way he's kind of like portraying himself the first time those noises come in, you see it's not bothering him. Like he's like, like he was told, we're going to give you these boos. But then later on, you do see he is starting to get bothered by that. He's getting very like Vicky Guerrero levels of heat. Like remember that segment that she and Dolph Ziggler and John Cena had after TLC that one year where they just kept shouting her down and she couldn't get a word in twice and Cena kept laughing. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And that's that's what I think. Uh, Vicky was one who I thought who could immediately get boos. And then also on the other side of AEW, there's Don Callis who gets those boos. And then of course, and of course this is one isn't this. I'm a, I'm a slant a third person. Years ago, during the days of NXT, Tommaso Ciampa, how he got those boos from the crowd, where his whole interest was just getting booed. No music, just walking out there. All you gotta do is just flash his name, and immediately that happened. I think Dom, I think Dom has that heat. The reason why he's five is because, and now I'm gonna get to the nitty gritty, the storyline purposes. His involvement in Judgment Day, I think has hindered some of the growth the group should have had. Mainly, for example, Rhea Ripley. While she's had a great resurgence for her character, the problem is that she and Dom were too attached to each other to when she became women's world champion, or at least SmackDown champion. It was really hard for me to really see her as a dominant champion whenever Dom interfered in her matches. I had a hard time trying to determine what kind of heel she was because she was tied so close to Dom. Well, one thing to keep in mind is he's still only, this is only in his first full year as a heel. So he's still got room to grow in that role. So yeah, it's as a career, like he's going into his fourth full year because he started in 2020. But like, he's still got room for growth in that heel category. And being with the people that he's with, Damian Priest, Rhea, Finn, like he's got those people where you can sit at that learning tree and get to that level at some. So I think, I think another thing I also want to add that while Dom is a great heel, another thing I'm seeing is people online saying that Dom is the best heel of 2023. He's mm. top five, not yeah, the I best. Would, I want to go with the best. Britton, go ahead with your number four. Or five. So my number five goes to you know whose game this is with everybody saying L.A. Knight. Yeah. Uh, L.A. Knight was my number four. He is my number four as well. Dude, the rise of L.A. Knight, especially as a babyface this year, 
like especially again i don't want to harp on it because it it is a, a bittersweet memory but the pitch black match with bray wyatt at the royal rumble at the start of 2023 did not signal big things but he just would not be denied so but brenton this is your your topic so you may go ahead the talent and the charisma that this guy possesses is unreal and and i i liked la not whenever he was eli drake in impact or as it's now called again tna and so when i when he first signed to wb i'm like okay they've got to push this guy just take a rocket in his ass and just skyrocket him to the top and to the moon. exactly but you know what he he said no he pretty much said no you can keep that rocket i'm gonna do it myself it was a moment of hold my beer watch this and he, yeah. by God, he has earned it. Absolutely. I mean, he is just unbelievable. I mean, the guy, despite what naysayers like Kevin Nash or other people may say, the guy has gotten over organically with the crowd. He's got a catchphrase that they love, but he's more than just that. He's got good in-ring work, great presence. The guy can carry a segment. He walks out there and he just looks. He's got the poise, the stature, everything that you need in a main event guy. I'll also add with LA Knight, not only was he did get over organically, he was someone who was able to instantly pick up. He, I mean, like when he was in NXT, he was already doing that, you know, that stuff, the whole it's whose game is it, LA Knight. And then once he became the Max from Max's models, the moment oh. in 2023 when that dropped and he called himself LA Knight, that was the immediately he picked right up from that. It wasn't like it, it, it literally was like riding a bike, like all it was, was like getting back in the ring. Sure, they tried to push him as a heel, but because of him constantly, his his promo work and whoever they kept pairing him against, Knight constantly kept overshadowing them. And of course, even with Bray, even before that lights out match, him and Bray, those their program together was very fantastic. Those small increments of moments in their little promo battles, well, before you start inviting the spookiness and the Uncle Howdy stuff, it, it was clear those two that had fun working together. Yeah. And then afterwards, the small overtime over and over until finally when it came down to Wrestlemania it was undeniable and then came to Money in the Bank to where literally his music just hits and just like with and just like the inverse of Dom getting booed the crowd immediately goes nuts for him like he was so good that he can that even in his earlier promos this year against Miz he was able to drag up for old stuff from from their careers that was able to make him shine even more and despite how that freaking match the program with him and Roman Reigns went even the fact he was able to go toe-to-toe with Reigns and Paul Heyman in promo battles shows you exactly that Knight is not only ready for the top card he is also ready to be that main event player. The segment that solidified it for me, that this guy should be a main event player for X number of years to come, was that contract signing that they had before the match at Crown Jewel. Where he just walks out there in the middle of Roman Reigns doing his thing. Yes. Cuts him off. God, that was so funny. Goes right past him, gets in the ring, does his whole shtick. Roman tries to sit at the head of the table. He sits down instead. Roman tries to move the table. He goes... No, 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 sunshine, sit on down where you belong and sat beside me while I'm sitting at the head of the table because this is what you're going to have to get used to once I take your title. And just egging Roman on and letting him know just how inferior you are, how small you are compared to me because you've been at this for God knows how long, but here I am in my first year on the main roster and I'm already at your level and I'm going to zoom right past you because I'm that damn good, to quote Triple H. So for my number five, I'm going to go with something a little bit more recent. I'm going to go with something from AEW. Something from Full Gear. And I'm specifically going with the Texas Death Match between Hangman Page and Swerve Strickland. 
God, that, that was, was brutal. That was my honorable mention and part of the whole, uh, but that's when Dirty Dom took it. That was originally my five and then Dirty Dom took it. <laughs> Dude, this, this is some ECW level of violent that I haven't seen in a long ass time. Hangman drank his blood mm-hmm. and spat it like Gangrel for God's sake. What the fuck? And that was just within the first five minutes. And it only got crazier. Like, I keep going back and, like, replaying a bunch of these spots in my head when Swerve goes to hit Hangman in the back with a chair and the barbed wire wraps around and catches Hangman in the face. I'm like, the guy could have lost an eye. Or uh, Hangman stapling his kid's drawings on Swerve's face and his chest. Yeah. <laughs> hey, or Swerve just, after, you know, later on, he's just taking the staples. Like, Hangman's yeah, just stapling yeah. the piss out of him. And he's just like, keep doing it. I don't give a fuck. Tying exactly. into the fact that Swerve was a part of CZW. I mean, oh, yeah. man. And then, of course, you got the Hangman spot. But in this case, Hangman's the one getting hanged and Swerve's just enjoying it. Granted, you had the run-in interference by Brian Cage and Nana, which, I'm sorry, Nana going through a table with a dead eye was hilarious. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like, just the death match alone but also the few the mini feud between swerve and hangman this year it's that would have yeah. encapsulated my five honestly because that build to wrestle dream and then the great promo afterwards with the, the build-up afterwards with swerve invading hangman's home and then hangman mm-hmm. having that great retort against swerve to where he didn't let him say a damn thing and then i love yeah. this shot at nana to where he goes you're that kind of guy who would sell weed to kids at school and then i'm the kind of guy who beat your ass up and then steal your weed later and then i, I love it it's like yo by the way swerve uh, the whole rule for this little tete-a-tete is like you and I can't lay hands on one another. But uh, no, no, they didn't say anything about it. you're dumbass. And then he I just kills <laughs> And Swerve can't do a damn thing to stop it, which is great. But yeah, just so much about this whole program was just freaking phenomenal. And again, the fact that Swerve ended up coming out the winner in the end and set him up as, again, somebody who could very, very easily now challenge the new AEW world champion, Samoa Joe, for that title somewhere down the line and have an absolute just barn burner of a match and just put things on a whole nother level for the next year is it solidified Swerve as the star he should have been in WWE. Swerve's the star, but Vince is like, no, 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 no. Top Dollar's the star. It's like, no, swerves the star with that being said so you uh your number four was la night uh, la night we'll my number four was uh la night so my number four goes to, uh, to Sami Zayn's face turn at the royal rumble Nice honorable mention. You know it was. You knew it was coming. He hands when Roman hands him the chair. He's like, "No, you do it." You're like, "Oh, it's coming," and you just can't wait to see it. And the moment he hits Roman, and the way Roman falls, just like he did with Seth Rollins when Seth Rollins turned against the Shield, that way he falls, and just the look on everybody's face, like Jay Uso, who is bro, like heart, like what are you doing? Yeah. And. You kind of can't really even talk about this moment without talking about what happened on Raw before this, the trial of Sami Zayn. Right, and Jay Uso, you know, the person that first just was like, no, Sami does not need to be in the bloodline too. No, this guy deserves to be in the bloodline. When Sami did turn, he was trying to convince Jay, like the whole, is Jay going to join Sami? Is he going to go back to the bloodline? It was great storytelling between Royal Rumble and Elimination Chamber and the WrestleMania. Okay, well, this one's definitely pure preferential. And so my number three is simply timeless. 
As in timeless Tony Storm. She was on my honorable mentions list. She was an honorable mention. I don't blame anyone for the honorable mention for Tony Storm there. But honestly, not only just timeless, but just Tony Storm in general this year. Tony Storm was, when she was put together with the Outcast. I mean, she was made to be the workhorse of that group. The, the, the constant wrestler there, even though Ruby is a great worker in her own right. But at the time she was, well, she was still in the midst of a recovery. And, but then Tony Storm being the lead woman in that stable, her, of course... This year, there was that match between her and Jamie Hayter to where Jamie was hurt. So they tried to play the whole thing of her constantly getting Jamie getting attacked where Tony Storm and the others win. But yeah, even then with her with the championship, how like the one she loses the belt to Hikaru, the beginning of the unraveling of Tony Storm was amazing. It was yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Those backstage interview, those backstage uh, moments with segments with RJ City, then that led to her interview with Renee Paquette where it led to, at uh, first it was like she's like she can't trust anyone she's just throwing her shoes and then the best, one of the favorite, one a great line that they made into a t-shirt t- chin up, tits up and watch for the shoe. <laughs> that was great. Well, and then of course like and I loved how she just it just kept going. It wasn't just meant to be this little thing to where it led her to leave the outcast. No, it it was continuum. So even at all in, like it was the it was hard to determine whether she and Saray were on the outs or if they were still friends. So then I loved that moment at all out when she accidentally hit Saraya's mom, and you could clearly see like, uh oh, nope, Tony is de- D- Tony's dead. <laughs> and then then finally we get to timeless Tony Storm to where. She and RJ doing great stuff. And then bringing in Luther as her butler. Amazing. And now I'm loving this thing with Mariah May added on to where it's like a what happened to baby Jane situation between the two of them. And it's definitely a great long form story that's going to last to at least maybe all the way to all in because Mariah, she is from England. And whenever Jamie returns, I can see a great main event at all in between Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter or with Mariah May involved. Timeless Tony Storm as far as I can tell with 2023 was a great highlight. It, it definitely could have gone south. This was definitely a gamble because this could have not worked but this very much is on the level of like Kurt Angle's goofball gimmicks like he would had back in the day when he'd do like the Jimmy Crack Corn with the cowboy hat on and the guitar and everything like that. Exactly. But- it's it's working phenomenally well. No, I've always been a fan of Tony Storm, and this whole gimmick has just made me love her even more. Brenton, your number three, please. My number three goes to the AEW debut of Adam Copeland. Ah, okay. I did not have that on my list. It was something that I was like, no way. He's a, you know, that man is a WWE lifer. There's no way. And then watching it happen, you're like, this is just a great moment because it's someone who is like okay yeah he's like yeah i'm a wwe hall of famer yeah i could i could literally just stay in wwe till i die but i want to have fun i want to branch i want to do other stuff i want to go where my best friend is you know and i know that was a big reason for him going over there but you know him getting to, or having the rights to the, the nickname rated our superstar his contract with alter bridge getting to keep metalingus as his theme you know that was just like we've just gotten to see this whole story between him and christian cage is just absolutely amazing and I'm just, I'll, I can't wait to see what else AEW's going to do with him. I'm not going to lie, I'm a little bummed about what ended up happening at World's End with him, but I'm very excited to see what the future holds for Adam Copeland in AEW. Ryan, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, 
the whole situation happened at World's End. That definitely felt like a what the hell moment that could have could have been used for 2024. But beyond that, yeah, I did like I I loved him coming to AEW. I understand some people are gonna think, oh no, he's just here to be a top guy. But I'm like, no, clearly you've seen right now his whole goal has just been look. I want to end my career with you, buddy, and it led to two great moments. Like Christians go fuck yourself, and the change in his character to where he's like, no, I'm not gonna fight you, my friend, and then he turns into a vicious person. Now, I'm pretty sure with after what happened at World's End, I think we're going to get the master manipulator that he was in WWE for AEW. And then, because honestly, with with Copeland, I do see nothing but up for him because he's at that point where he really has nothing to prove with his career. And I think kind of like Danielson, he kind of wants to work and help the talent. Well, that moves us to my number three. And my number three is paying homage to one of the best, most interesting title reigns that has taken place in the last number of years. A title reign that has actually elevated a championship and made it more prestigious than it has ever been. And that is, of course, the reign of the Ring General Gunta. I do have a long title reign on my list, but it wasn't Gunther. No, but whenever he won that title, I was sitting there praying. I was like, please, for the love of God, make this dude just a dominant champion like make him have a reign that means something because this dude is an absolute machine and that's exactly what they've done not only is he a superstar that feels like he means something on the on the main roster but the intercontinental championship for the first time in a long ass time feels like it actually matters it is a prize worth chasing and it's not a prize that's around the waist of some freaking energy drink promoting celebrity but no gunther has held on to that title longer than honky tong man he's closing in on pedro morales's record of combined days and it's still his first time with the belt but you look at the matches he's had with chad gable Tommaso champa heck the last two matches he's had he made the miz look like a credible babyface challenger the intercontinental title and i've never believed that the miz was a credible babyface at anything he has elevated not only the title but the people who have stepped in the ring to try to take it from him which is what a champion is supposed to do he got sheamus a five-star match yes sheamus andrew yeah they, their wrestlemania match was honestly probably best of the night without yes. a doubt look at the match he had with mustafa ali all the people that he has stepped in the ring with this year their stock has gone up whether or not wwe tried to capitalize on it after the fact or not i do agree that's one thing i appreciate with the long time reign. Not only that, when the moment that Kaiser and Giovanni joined him to be Imperium, he didn't really need them at all. He was already on a long title reign with just himself. Which is why his title reign is better than Roman's. He doesn't need to constantly use outside interference to hold on to his belt. He's fine on his own. He can get the job done without somebody else having to bail his ass out because he's not a little bitch. And also a great introduction. I mean, the fact Kaiser just the all you got to do for when he whenever he enters the ring, whenever he enters lights off spotlight. Kaiser brings with his voice five people are cheering or booing or not gets their attention and then introduces the ring general. Even the way he says it that yep. commands your attention. When Gunther shows up. Now, I don't like the fact that they couldn't keep Walter's old theme. But of course, you know, Zebedee not wanting to pay money for it. So they changed it. Yeah. Either way, still with the first opening notes, this is a big deal coming to the ring. 
and show your respect. All right, moving on to our number twos, Ryan. Now this one is a mashup because both products here, I I don't watch a lot, but I will say I am glad that they're on the up and up again. And that is the resurgence of TNA and NXT. Okay, again, don't have either of those on my list, but good, good picks. I didn't have those on my list at all. I've been on and off with TNA or at the time when it was Impact during the resurgence. I did follow them a bit during the pandemic, but I think when AEW was starting to kick up eye and gear, they kind of fell back in the wayside. NXT, obviously, after NXT 2.0, I was done with the fucking product. I didn't care who was there. I didn't care which wrestlers I liked were on there. I didn't like the fact it needed to be rebranded. NXT was already a solid product under Triple H and William Regal. But the fact that Vince had to say, you know what? No, I need to change it. It needs to be more character focused. Okay, add more people for characters, but you don't need to do a fucking rebranding as if you just bought a business. And the way that happened there, because at the time you had great people there. I mean, Samoa Joe at the time was NXT champ. You had Tommaso Ciampa who was still there. You had Kyle O'Reilly, and they, I, I, despite the rise of Braun Breaker, Mandy Rose, and Toxic Attraction, along with Wesley's incredible run, Carmelo Hayes, and then of course, I'll admit the gimmick of Chase U thought was annoying as hell. I find it endearing, but that was when they toned it down. At first, it was it constantly in your face. That was the problem with 2.0. Everything was in your face, shoved down your throat. But then the moment Michaels was given some control, holy shit! While NXT 2.0, air quotes, had some good moments, it was still boggled down in the character work of the promos, the backstage skits. Michaels was given the opportunity to touch that. Man, we were starting to see a beautiful union of wrestling and character work. I mean, wrestlers like Tiffany Stratton, who at first was going to be some Barbie doll daddy's girl. It's uh, watered down to where she's more. you focus more on her in-ring ability, but then also you get to see that she can still play the blonde dits. And then I'm going to bring myself, transition a little bit to TNA. The constant work they have put together keeping the main focus on the wrestling to where the tag division has been solid the knockouts division despite its ups and downs has been consistent to where when people talk about great women's division despite when they're constantly talking about aw and twe tna has been consistent especially with mickey james there doing her best Especially during the end of her career to when she became knockout champion, making every match that she was in always feel like it was her last. Trinity, formerly known as Naomi, coming into TNA, winning the knockouts championship, being able to have herself an incredible run to build herself back up. And then encountering some of the stars they build from there. Josh Alexander, Tasha Steele, Giselle Shaw, even seeing Brian Myers against a small resurgence, seeing Matt Cardona every now and then chelsea green before she came back to wwe she was getting a small resurgence with tna has finally found itself a footing to where not only has it survived but it is at the point to where they are in the midst of getting a tv deal to where they can finally get themselves back on weekly pro television programming so to see both of these two wrestling brands finally get their day back in the sun honestly is something i never i won't say never but something i thought was not going to happen for a while brenton and what is your number two good sir number two goes to the amazing, amazing title reign of MJF. Punt. Fair okay. enough. My number two kind of has a little something to do with that, but it's not so much just the amazing title reign of MJF, but it has to do with one of the best 
bromances I think we've seen since Robbie E and Jesse Goddard, I would say. And that is, of course, the tag team known as Better Than You, baby. I say that's a little bit cheat towards mine because my number one is a fusion of yours and Britain. Okay, that's fine. We can say, well, your number one's next anyway, so we can go ahead and talk about it. Well, yeah, my number one is pretty much simply all MJF all day when mjf won that title at full gear in 2022 it definitely looked like the storyline was saying that he was about to ramp up his heel character to be the proper heel that had that great promo between him and william regal it kicked off with him in that little championship ceremony the the unveiling of the triple b and then him sending william regal to the hospital leading into that great program with brian danielson into 2023 to where like mjf as his heel character he made danielson do hoops in order to challenge him which was a great story for danielson as well because at the time while he challenged for titles he never won one and many people thought this was the first time, this could be the opportunity to where he can challenge MJF for the title and him setting up the stakes with the Iron Man match. The fact that MJF, despite as a wrestler, him being great in the ring, you've never seen him truly challenged. So it kicked off with the first proper challenge. MJF is doing everything in his power to ensure that Danielson does not become number one contender. That happens. We get that great promo from Danielson to where it ends where he says, I'll fucking kick your head in. You see fear in MJF. Great character work to the Iron Man match. To where It's a great match to where you see MJF not only keeping up with Danielson, but almost in rare moments outsmarting Danielson in the ring to where he forces Danielson to tap out. The rarest thing you don't see Danielson do in his career so far in AW is tap out. And that happened against MJF. And then after that, we get the start of the Four Pillars Battle Royal. Now, the it was Rocky getting there, but I always had a feeling MJF was going to fight those three men for that championship. What you were going to talk about, James, was better than you, Bay Bay. That began the transition from MJF the heel into MJF the tweener to where he started warming himself up. He was lay, dropping his guard down. I could continue over and over and over again, but I want you guys to start talking because this entire year, you can write as a mini book for the chapters that MJF, his character, has gone through all the way to World's End. Like you said, better than you, Bebe, when that whole thing started. Like, when they were first forced in, like, this strange bedfellows tag team. Which, normally, I'm not a fan of just shoving people into random tag teams. But the second that Tony Schiavone makes that announcement, he starts to make the announcement. The two of them just look at him at the same time, just go, shut up, Shivani!" And it's just like, okay, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be entertaining. And it's, then, a it's a mashup! It's a mashup! Yeah, that like the matchup, <laughs> the, the matching trunks, the eating the spicy Chinese food. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. You want me to go to a Chinese restaurant in Boston? Max, let's go. So many poor people. There's even like, outside of the screen where Max was calling Adam Cole during Adam's Twitch uh, streams. Yes, I saw that. Yes. Just so much good shit, you know? And like, this is literally where that Vince McMahon meme works. Like, this is such good shit. It really is. Now, Granted, did it jump the shark in a few places? Yes. The whole Captain Insano thing when they went fishing off the boat or whatever at 4th of July or whatever the hell it was. That I thought was a little goofy. I thought that was hilarious, but yeah, it to, to each his own. But there were there were definitely points where I was just like, you know what? This is fucking hysterical. I'm laughing my ass off. And again, it gave me vibes of like Le Dinner Debonair with Jericho a number of years ago where these guys just got to cut loose and have fun. And it made me feel like, as weird as this is going to sound, I know you guys probably don't watch it, but I actually started watching Ms. and Mrs. with my fiance. And I know a lot of people don't care for it, this, that, and the other. It's just a reality show, this, that, and the other. But Mike Mazanin, 
not the Miz, but Mike Mazanin genuinely seems like a dude I'd hang out with because he's just a goof. And, and that's exactly what this did for me. Adam Cole, a.k.a. Chugs and Claudio and Tyler Breeze and Xavier Woods with The Party and Up, Up, Down, Down. Love watching their stuff and everything like that. But then this, what this did was humanize MJF. Granted, we've all met MJF. We saw him on part due with AEW and everything like that. Yeah. He can be a dick and everything like that. But this really made it seem like, you know what? This dude, if we got the time to actually hang out with him and really get to know him a little bit, he probably seems like he'd be pretty chill. As you did say, this humanized him to when 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 MJF does cut those promos now, especially with Adam Cole next to him talking about how and like he's like in tears or nearly bringing himself to tears. You do see slowly by bit by bit. MJF, yeah, he's dropping that guard down to where, yeah, he's our scumbag. By the time it gets to full gear or by Wrestle Dream, he's immediately a face. It's just he still comes out of the bad guy tunnel, but he hasn't fully transitioned to that yet. Which is why I do say this year has been the slow change of MJF, the hard-edged heel, to now the babyface you can cheer for. With his title run, started out the year, yeah, with the rivalry with Brian Danielson and just, you know, MJF taking shots at Danielson. And then, you know, leading into during the summer when Better Than You, Baby, you know, became a thing. And then you started seeing signs of a face turn all the way to World's End where you have MJF is in the match as the babyface. And at the beginning of 2023, if you'd have asked me, do you see MJF being a babyface this year? I'd have been like, no. But then you also get all these... You get, like you said, the humanized side of MJ. If you get to see the comedy side, you know, with Adam Cole, and if nobody's watched it, they need to watch it. The uh, media scrum after uh, Revolution, <laughs> the pickles. Oh, the pick. Yes. That's <laughs> yeah, things I've ever seen in my life. If yes. you haven't watched it, you need to stop whatever you're doing right now. Well, not stop listening to the podcast, but after the podcast, <laughs> go and watch that because it's hysterical. <laughs> You know, it just seeing what MJF has been able to do is just, I mean, the dude, and the dude's only 27. Yeah, that's, that's the killer thing. He's younger than all of us. This dude has so much coming for him. Like, it, there's so much to come for him. It's ungodly. He, he really didn't need that year-long reign. But even then, even after dropping the belt, I still think that he's going to be able, there's still more for him to do. Which is why, unfortunately, if you've followed any of the news cycles going around, a lot of websites are reporting that depending on which route he goes with recovery from any of the litany of injuries that he's had over the last, out of the last number of months, he could be out for anywhere up to a year right now with recovery time for whether he decides to go surgery, if he just decides to rehab, it just depends, but same with Kenny can you imagine? Omega, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. I mean, diverticulitis with Kenny Omega, but can you imagine? No, before that, when idea? Kenny had that championship for a long time and then he lost to the Hangman, he was out for over eight months. But can you imagine like how much worse 2024 is going to be if we have to go the entire calendar year without MJF on our TV screens? Well, that was Ryan's number one. Brenton, what is your number one good sense? My number one goes to the man, the myth, the legend, the goat, the return home, the return of CM Punk to WWE. I had a feeling that's where that was going to go. The reason I picked it is because of how much of a fan of CM Punk I am. Whenever he got released from AEW, I was like, that's it. 
he's done with wrestling. Like, there's no more. He's done. Like, that's not going to happen. And then people are like, oh, no, he's, oh, he said talks to WWE. I'm like, these are just rumors. It's not happening. And I literally just been like, okay, I, whatever. It's done. It was great while it lasted, but I'm never going to see CM Punk on a wrestling show ever again. And then I'm watching Survivor Series, and that happens. I'm speechless. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was just like, are you kidding me? This is the greatest thing that's happened ever. Not really, but still. Oh, my God. It was just. It was a moment. It's. I mean, there's those freaking uh, like WWE on cable. The people react not only in the crowd, but also those watching on the network. It was just, it was unbelievable. And then leading into the, you know, you, you know, it's coming. The match between, it's going to happen. Him and Rollins. You know, but the promo that Rollins cut on him and then Punk looking at him and saying, okay, I gave you the one pass to disrespect me. Cutting that little bit of a promo and like him showing up on not only Raw, but on SmackDown and NXT. His return, even though he hadn't been on television that much, it's just been so great. And it looks like he is having an absolute blast. It definitely seems like he feels like he's in a better environment in WWE than he was in AEW. And maybe that's because they have stricter guidelines on what he can and can't do. He's on a shorter leash. To me, the main reason I couldn't put that as a number one, and again, to each their own, but three returns in two years, it's the law of diminishing returns for me. Just the hype around each one just kind of grew smaller and smaller the more it happened. The My main concern when I saw it was like, oh great, what kind of drama is he going to stir up backstage this time? And again, that's the cynical side of me. Hopefully I'm proven wrong. Hopefully he is back in a better environment. There's, you know, a lot less backstage politics. There's a lot less stuff around there to piss him off. They're not giving him as much executive power. Then again, keeping him on a shorter leash to where he doesn't feel the need to vent or anything like that. Nobody's talking shit online. Nobody's causing any kind of internal problems. And hopefully everybody can get along. One takeaway I will also say with, I think in this situation, him going back, he is in a more professionally controlled environment. Correct. As much as I love AEW giving creative freedom or allowing wrestlers to work their own schedules that freedom has unfortunately bit them in the ass not only in matches but in creative storylines in booking decisions so seeing the fact that he's back here and also triple h he has been he's not shy to admit that yeah if it comes to something that's good for business he's willing to put his personal feelings aside and at this point triple h and michaels do both feel like they're better off in the area to do what Tony can't fucking do, which what you said, be a boss. Well, I guess that comes down to my number one, which is, I think the thing that has been the best, not just for the company that he controls, if you will, but also the competition because it forces them to step their game up. And that is the fact that Triple H is fully in control of WWE creative. Thank God. The smart pick. Vince McMahon was told by the new owners of TKO, the head of Endeavor, you know, Ari Emanuel, leave Triple H alone, let him do his job, get the fuck out of the creative room, stop rewriting scripts, stop making creative changes, go sit in the corner and shut the fuck up. And that's what needed to be done. The sweet irony in that whole fucking yep. thing with Vince. He sells a company and so he can have more creative control to where they're like, no, fuck you, go home. That's the thing is Vince tried to play and it backfired. And honestly, the business is better off for it because now Triple H, who is much more in touch with modern pro wrestling than Vince ever was, is actually putting on a damn decent product. Granted, did they knock it out of the park every time? 
No, there have been some missteps. But Raw, SmackDown, for the most part, have actually been fucking watchable. And I didn't mention NXT has gotten much, much better with Shawn Michaels yep. at the helm. But the fact of the matter is, is now with Triple H in control, you've got guys who are who much deserve a push getting those opportunities. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens had their short little run with tag team titles. You've got tag team wrestling actually getting a focus again with the Creed brothers getting brought up. you got... The Judgment Day holding the tag titles and doing a damn decent job with it. Chad Gable. Uh, Chad not Gable only that, that not only is feud, but also being him being valued more as the worker and the performer that he is. Absolutely. Granted, he's still he's still in the Alpha Academy. He's still mainly used for comedy now, especially with the whole Akira Tozawa thing and whatnot. But he was given he was given some shine. He was given some due. You know, you got DIY back together, which is going to boost the tag team division. You got Imperium going on. Uh, we just saw recording this on. January the 6th, so just last night, we saw Tyler Bate get called up with, with Butch, so they can do some things, a little mini Mustache Mountain reunion. Like you mentioned, AOP returned as well. You know, you still got the Good Brothers under contract. You, there's a lot that they can do with the tag team division as well. The ladies are getting a lot more shine put on them. Granted, those women's tag team titles still need some work. There's still a lot more that can that can be improved upon. But granted, that's the thing, is now Triple H has the freedom to make those improvements that Vince was never going to make. I think Triple H as a whole being in charge of WWE and being able to put on a much higher quality product is going to be able to not only be a boon for WWE, but a huge boon for the wrestling landscape as a whole. Because once again, much like with AEW in those first couple of weeks or the first couple, first year or two, it's going to force the competition to step their game up to be on par, if not better. Exactly. Because AEW during their height, challenged wwe and well at the time they were struggling they made nxt became like a sacrificial lamb to which it suffered but now it's back up and running and then even then with the now with triple h in charge he is bringing his eye towards talent that should that like you mentioned should be given the spotlight but in any case folks that's what we thought uh were the best things in wrestling in the year of 2023 what all did you think let us know in the comments down below or in a nice little review if you want to leave one for us we certainly appreciate it five stars is of course the standard but of course vote however you want to we're not going to try to pressure you be sure you hit the subscribe button so that way you never miss out on another episode whenever they drop we are going to try to be a little bit more consistent with two a week this year uh we have already got a lot of really cool ideas planned including one uh episode that's going to be coming out next week so be on the lookout for that also be on the lookout for all the other offerings here on the shimo media network that are coming up very very soon but with that being said thank you so much for joining us ladies and gentlemen we certainly appreciate you being here until next time we will bid you all adieu so on behalf of myself i am been james shimo he has been ryan payne thank you and he has been brent mcpherson as always it was a blast and we will see you guys next time and until then hey ref ring the bell already mm -hmm.